Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Good morning to Jeremy Shaw, who is alongside me in the IMSA Global Broadcast Centre. Good to have your company, Jeremy, this morning. And again, perfect conditions. The doom-mongers of the weather apps were completely wrong. It's beautiful this morning. Indeed it is, John. Absolutely perfect once again. A little bit of a few wispy crowds around, uh, around, but uh, unlike yesterday when it was perfectly clear all the way mm. across. And very but yeah, hot. I mean, gosh, the, the weather forecast hasn't half changed during this week. Uh, earlier in the week, they were talking about a 70% chance of rain for today and, uh, and thunderstorms activity uh, in abundance. But uh, thankfully, that seems to have moved away somewhat to the north. The track, if that seems to have moved to the north, and we, uh, we should perhaps be dry uh, for much most of the day anyhow uh, but of course this is florida so things can change uh, there is there is still a possibility of some of some precipitation in the last hour or so of the race that would certainly make things interesting but uh, the the threat, threat of thunderstorms appears to have gone away that's very very good news so just the one race to go today super excited this should be fun uh, we are looking at a an air temperature, it was, when we came out at uh, 6 o'clock this morning, it was 18 Celsius already. It's now 20 uh, as soon as the sun came up from the far side of turn one. Things started to get a little more toasty. That's uh, 68 Fahrenheit in the air, 66 on the track. So this is going to be pretty representative of where we'll be. If the sun stays out, those track temperatures will go up. We had it into... Uh, the mid to high 40s Celsius yesterday for FIA WEC. Once you start getting towards 50 degrees Celsius or 50 Celsius, um, then the tyre techs start to uh, start start to look at their charts because that's getting a bit toasty for the slick tyres. But so we didn't quite get there yesterday. I think it was about half past two, three o'clock when it, we, it hit its zenith yesterday in terms of the temperature on the track at least but what i did notice is every time we got any kind of cloud cover that track temperature dropped three four five degrees celsius uh, if the cloud cover was there for anything more than about 90 seconds or a minute uh, or a couple of minutes so that was uh, that was quite interesting the air temperature yesterday hovered around 30 celsius all day uh, and that was uh, that was quite interesting uh, as uh, as well, very toasty for those working in fire suits. So this morning, a uh, 20 minute run for the cars that Jeremy haven't we haven't seen uh, and, and uh, since this time thereabouts mm. on. In fact, yeah, pretty much this time on Friday when they were in qualifying trip. Yes, 22 hours or so ago. You're right. Uh, since qualifying was uh, was done and dusted, so they've had some time to. Uh, get ready prepare for this race and uh, if if there was any damage causing qualifying 
um, and the worst for a couple of cars, then uh, they've had plenty of time to get this ready for today's race. Yes, two Porsches that uh, augured in on uh, turn one. The, uh, the GTD car and also one of the hypercars. And some penalties to talk about as, as well, Jeremy, in terms of uh, what happened in the previous sessions. Yeah, well, yes, after qualifying... Two GTD cars, one pro, one non-pro, were uh, found to have um, basically minimum ride height, didn't meet minimum ride height. Uh, that being number 79, WeatherTech Mercedes, mm. that won the class, of course, at Daytona, so comes in here as a championship leader. Also in GTD Pro, the car that was on pole at Daytona, um, took the pole position, set the fastest lap, didn't start that particular chassis, didn't start the race because it was wrecked later in the week we'll talk about that in a moment uh, but um, I, think it, I think they qualified third yes that's a Winwood Racing number 57 also Mercedes so both of those two cars will start at the back of the field also in LMP3 um, the um, number four Ave Motorsports Ligier was uh, put to the back because it didn't meet the there's, there's got to be a no sprung part of the car must be situated more than 50 millimetres above the reference surface. So, again, bodywork infringement there for number four car. So that will also go to the back for the start of the race. As the green flag flies and I put the chip in that is into my brain that is IMSA, having discarded the FIA WEC until Portimao in a few weeks' time speak to Joe and Shea down in the pits in a little while 20 minutes on the clock and cars rolling out I suspect Jeremy everyone will have at least a couple of laps here we've got as big a traffic jam here as we had to get in yesterday Cetilla Ferrari by the way doesn't that 296 look great in the blue and tricolore colours of Cetilla racing absolutely fantastic so I suspect everybody will go out and do at least a couple of three laps uh, this morning just to make sure uh, that any changes, or even if they haven't made any changes, that everything's still connected to where it should be. Yeah, pretty dusty it looks like as the uh, sun still uh, certainly isn't very high in the sky yet. It only, it only, uh, the sunrise was only about half an hour or so ago. So uh, it's uh, gorgeous conditions. It really is beautiful here this morning. And for those of you in Green Park and anywhere around the racetrack. This is your morning wake-up call. And uh, it's going to get fairly noisy out there, but what a cacophony of sound there is. And all these different engines, everything sounds, all the cars sound different. It's really, one of the things about sports car racing, you can tell the cars apart just from their sounds. By the way, those, those GTD cars that put to the back, the number 79 car, that had qualified third in GTD Pro, goes to the back. Uh, of, of all of the cars, not just the GTD Pro, it goes to the back of the GTDs as well. And number 57 car, that had qualified second in the hands of Phil Ellis in GTD regular. Uh, both of those two will go to the back. And we talked about the fact that number 37, uh, 57 car was destroyed before the race at Daytona. Lucas Auer had a horrific crash there at turn, at turn two during one of the practice sessions, which were after qualifying, because qualifying in the previous weekend at the Raw test. Uh, Lucas Auer is back home in Austria. He suffered some back injuries, uh, but is uh, is comfortable and mending well. I am told. So, great news, Lucas. And uh, I, the, the, 
all indications are he should be ready to go before the start of DTM season. Ah, oh, well, that's very good news. Uh, we can now check in with uh, Joe Bradley and Shea. Adam Shea is on the pit wall with the cars whizzing past just feet from her. Good morning, Miss Adam. Good morning. This is the ultimate rush. It's uh, more effective than my Celsius, which was 200 milligrams of caffeine. So that gives you an idea for just how much of a rush it is to be out here on the pit wall. A lot of cars staying out on track, not coming back into the pit lane, but a couple of cars scuffing tires, doing some pit stop practice in full, including the Wright Motorsport Porsche. And if you want an idea of just how difficult it is to drive into turn one this morning, Bill Oberlin, hand firmly off the steering wheel of the number 95 Turner Motorsport BMW because he needed to hold it up in front of him to try and see where he was going. Down at that end of pit lane, my cohort for the day, Mr. Joe Bradley. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Shea. Good morning, everybody. I'm right where the sun rises. The sun comes across the horizon into turn one, blinding the drivers in this very early morning warm-up session. And uh, what I'm seeing so far at this end of the pit lane with the prototypes, um, the GTPs, I should say, is that we're going to cycle through some drivers and practice some pit stops and driver changes. Certainly, that's what's happening down here with the number 10. I do want to dive in and try and get a quick word with Wayne Taylor because... What happened in qualifying, I think, cost Wayne and his team. Wayne, I was just speculating there, that truncated qualifying session, I think probably cost you guys. You didn't get a chance to run that second tyre, I think. No, it, uh, yeah, it did, um, unfortunately, because we had gone purple on, on that lap um, in turn one, although it was still a little uh, bit off from uh, Pipo, but probably a little quicker than... Um, uh, the 01 car, but then also we normally quick in the second session in the second sector. But I'm not sure whether we had anything for the 31, maybe we did or not. But I think we probably would have got a front row. But starting third is fine, you know. I'm not worried, not too worried about it. So, um, the Cadillac's always good, yeah. The 31's been always good, and you know, if you watch, if I watched the WC race yesterday. The, the Cadillacs really ran the bumps really well. This is going to be very much a tyre race. I mean, it's watching yesterday, um, the LMDH cars were just basically driving the rear tyres off the cars. And because we're limited on tyres, we have to be really careful. And then not knowing what the weather is going to do. So the plan is to try and, you know, use up as many of the used tyres and double stint in the beginning of the race and, and, and see. You've just answered the question I had for you. So you're happy with your race pace, the Conica Manola Acura is good, we know, over the long distances. So you must be fairly yeah. confident going into this. We're, we're, we really are because, because, as Brian said, you know, we really didn't spend any time like we normally would on, on setting up a qualifying car. Right. And, uh, you know, we're still learning. And um, with HPD on all the electronic stuff to make things better. Um, so what you saw in practice is pretty much what you're going to see in the race. I'm excited. Thanks, Wade. I know you are. Uh, Alessio Rivera with a lock-up of his Michelin tyres coming into turn number three. The front's well locked up, and then he releases. Interestingly, though, the right front... Still locked up. The left one was turning. That was a very odd one for the Triazi 296. 
looks great. I haven't seen a colour scheme yet that doesn't make that car look good. That's a great design, uh, that car. Particularly over the rear wheel arches. That is just so vintage Ferrari over the rear wheel arches. 330s and stuff like that going back into the old Mille Miglia pictures and, and all that sort of stuff. At Le Mans as well. Front end very up to date and a lot of aero, of course, on that. This is the new GT3 car that made its debut at Rolex 24 at Daytona. The 0.23 here. Alessio Rivera not having a good time of things this morning. That car just not uh, not playing ball with him, Jeremy Shaw. No, that was a massive lockup, and he'd already done a couple of laps, so it wasn't as if he was right out of the pits. Which, uh, and he's sort of cruising back. I think he'll definitely be bringing that car back to the pit lane to have a look over it because that was certainly a strange lockup. Uh, you wouldn't have expected uh, that much of uh, your particular one side. Okay, as uh, as you're going into turn three, there, the uh, the left hand side is more weighted than the right, but uh, it was still somewhat strange to see that huge, massive lockup, just a, uh, a tremendous plume of smoke coming out of the car initially from all four wheels and then uh, primarily from the right hand side wheels so yeah that'll be something that the team will have a look at <laughs> down here in the pit lane trying to get as many driver uh, interviews insights and intel as we can alec udell good morning you're racing a porsche at sebring for the 12 hour does life get better than that you know, I don't think so, especially with the weather we have today. Uh, you know, it was looking maybe a little less ideal than it was or earlier in the week. It was looking a little less ideal, so I'm happy with what we've got today. And I think we've got a good car. We've got a good team. So really excited for the race this, this morning. David was one of two drivers that's not clear to drive at night, but that was never the plan for you guys anyway. Uh, how much different does that make your strategy going into it when you know you're going to be driving Sebring in the dark? Yeah, I think it was our plan going into the race. Um, we were you know, thinking about having him be part of the night practice just to get some time at the track here. He's driven a night here before, but really it was never in the strategy. So for us, it was just business as usual, and it's what Julie and I are here for. Having a two-car team is an advantage because you can run different setups between the two, the 91 and the 92. How has that benefited you guys in the 92? Yeah, I think it's been a lot in the, uh, like when we had testing here for the official test uh, about a month ago or so now, uh, we were able to go down some different philosophies on the uh, setup and able to come together in between then and now and have some things that worked and didn't work. And so we could try more stuff, maybe with different um, braking, you know, break, break things, different uh, setup procedures. So it's, it's been very helpful for us to be able to go our different directions, come back and say what worked and what didn't work so we don't have to wonder if that's something that we should try. And how important is it going to be with the new set of Michelins for the start of this race? Yeah, I think it's all about getting temperature in the tire. It's not super cold this morning, but it's really just about being smooth, bringing that tire up to temperature nice and, and easy. With the Porsches, it's a little more difficult to get temperature in the front because there's less weight up there. But when you got a full load of fuel, it's uh, a little bit more pressure on the nose. But for us, it's just about nice being smooth and conservative with the car, trying to keep it all together so we can really fight with it at the end of the race in the night. Good luck to the whole Kelly Moss with Riley team. Thanks, Shay. Appreciate it. Yeah, they've worked really hard, haven't they, after that car was uh, badly, one of their cars badly damaged. Uh, the other Porsche that went in was one of the Penske hypercars and Penske run hypercars, the GTP. And just checking to see how many of those have been out at the 
at the moment. Five cars, Jeremy, tell me, yeah. uh, has not been out yet. We'll give you the rundown after we've heard from Bobby Rahal at BMW. Mr. Rahal, the BMW has had a bit of a, a, a torrid time um, at Daytona, and uh, I just want a bit of an update as to how the development's going. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, for us, you know, at Daytona, I have to, I have to admit that, um, you know, receiving the car as late as we did and what have you, um, we would like to have done more testing for sure prior to the race. I was very pleased that we really, I mean, the one car had a problem early on with the, uh, with the MGU, and that cost us a lot of time, but the car ran great from there on out, and the 24 car was you know, on the lead lap you know, uh, for most of the race. So, you know, didn't quite finish off the way we wanted to, but still felt that it was a bit of a uh, kind of a success in a certain kind of way for us, given uh, where we started. But uh, I think we're much better today than we were then. The, the, you know, the, in the ensuing six weeks or so, we've been able to, um, you know, kind of regroup and, and to take time to really... You know, work on the cars and, and um, get them more reliable. So, hopefully, today we'll have a, a problem-free race. Is it still the reliability factor that's the key, or are you now airing on a bit of performance? Well, uh, you know, it is. There's no question that the complexity of these cars is such that um, uh, you know I don't think anybody feels that comfortable. Any of the GTP car cars feels that comfortable with with what they have because it's still creating a lot of issues for all the cars whether it's a porsche or an acura or, or us or whomever so um yeah i think you've just got to be as prepared as you can be and uh, and hope that um you know it's your day bobby rahal how happy would you be or what's it going to take to make bobby rahal happy is what i've tried to say at 10 o'clock tonight where where, where would you like to be well, you know, this race is uh, it's not about speed. It's all about survival. And, uh, and uh, with the number of cars in the race and the different, you know, the, 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 speed, uh, the speed differences between the cars, um, I mean, it's a tough race. Obviously, if we get through the race without a problem, I'll be extremely pleased, regardless of where that might be. That could be second, third, fifth, first, whatever. It's all about getting through to the end, and uh, that's that's goal number one. Now, where we finish is goal number two. Thanks to Bobby Rahal and Joe Bradley asking the questions down in the pit lane. I, I do get the sense, Jeremy, very much from talking to the everybody except Toyota in the WEC paddock and everybody in the GTP class here in the IMSA paddock that there's still probably 60 maybe 65, 70% of the effort that's going into these new front running cars is on the reliability and systems learning integration side of things probably as little as 30, 25% actually on tuning the cars in the old-fashioned way of like are we going to start messing around with ride height and, and spring rate etc these are still let, let's not forget very very new cars and I, I just wonder I was listening back to Mr. Post Race Tech from the Rolex 24 Daytona we were quite we remarked that we were quite surprised at how well everybody had gone yeah. reliability wise Sebring is a whole different kettle of fish 
and I think we're seeing perhaps one or two teams who've tried to run before they were walking have been slightly caught out by that even though they have tested here yeah you're right I mean you're I think all of the teams, the majority of their testing has been here because if you can get, if you can survive the bumps around here, you get, you should be pretty good to, in terms of the vibration side of things. Pretty much anywhere else, but as you say, a couple of the, some of the teams, or, or perhaps, have been getting a little bit greedy, like yes. you're suggesting there, and, and you know, rather than just concentrating on what they've got, knowing this is very early in the gestation period for these cars, and just go with that and optimise what you have they're still trying to push the envelope just a little bit and, and I think certainly for, for Acura's perspective that was a bit of a problem for them particularly on Wednesday uh, yesterday of course it was, it was yesterday. Friday. No, on, on Thursday I should say yes. uh, yesterday <laughs> there was only that one session so Correct. we don't really know whether no. that was secured or not um, but hopefully it will be because there's some very smart people there um, at the teams and at HPD as well so you know, I think they're I'm hoping they're feeling a little bit more comfortable this morning than they were on Thursday evening. Let's find out how comfortable everyone is down at FAF Motorsport because this is one of our hero cars of the weekend. Coming in is the defending GTD Pro champions, Steve Bortolotti. It's been a bit of a rough week so far, but you learned something very important. The crash structure of this car is a good one, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I saw the car go in the wall, I'm like, all right, I guess we're done for the weekend. And I walked back and... Aside from all the bodywork being in pretty rough shape, the, the chassis itself took it incredibly well. So that was uh, that was great to see. So huge kudos to Porsche on this uh, new 992 Porsche. It's very strong, which uh, saved our weekend. So proud of that. And you know now Larry's out there doing Larry things and since P1. So we'll have to see how today goes. We won the race from last in 2021, and we'll uh, try to do the same today. Now, at Daytona, we went into that race, and you guys felt like you had both hands tied behind your back. Do you feel like you have an actual fighting chance at Sebring? Uh, on, on long run pace, I do, to be honest. Uh, single lap pace has never really been the Porsche strong suit, so um, I, I think we're still a little ways off in terms of long run, or sorry, in terms of single lap pace, but long run pace, I think we're actually quite good, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. 12 hours is a long time. The car is... Uh, it's going to be strong, I think, over you know the full length of the stint, and it's quite good on fuel mileage. So we'll have to see how the race plays out over the course of 12 hours. You mentioned we've got Lawrence Vantor behind the wall of the car. First time this weekend for him being back with the Fab family. Uh, have you had to talk him down, remind him breaking markers are a little bit earlier than uh, what he's used to over in the 963? Yeah, yeah, we had some fun with him this morning. So we, uh, we told him we're not going to call him into pit lane until halfway down the back street because we don't want him ducking in at the back there. So... Um, it's his first time doing double duty, so he's uh, thankfully he's a lot more familiar with this car. I think it's second nature than, than maybe going the other way. So uh, really happy to have him back, and you know he's one of our one of our one of my favorite people anyway personally. So it's great to, great to have him in the car. And looking forward to the whole race. Good luck for the race. Thank you. And yeah, just to reiterate, Lawrence Vantor not able to drive the FAF Motorsport Porsche so far this week because he was racing in the 963 in the WEC. Uh, that duty finishing last night, finishing P6 for Lawrence. He's looking for another win here at Sebring International Raceway with FAF, something he accomplished back in 2021. Off the road for high-class racing, number 20, coming out of Term 5, Anders Fjordback. There was somebody else as well. Uh, that uh, that apply to Scott Hoffaker's teammate, uh, teammate, who was who's who was driving for Toyota, of course, 
uh, yesterday and he wasn't allowed to put himself at risk obviously uh, sorry Pershaw uh, Jensen uh, and he was in the Peugeot, so Jensen wasn't allowed to drive before this morning either. Also, Antonio Fuoco as well. Yes, Ferrari. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. So uh, first first laps of the week in this car. Very different car than for Lawrence Vantor here for what he was driving uh, the rest of the I like, week. I like what Steve said, but we've had to remind him about his, where his brake markers are. Well, I'm not sure car. what they've done though because he, he's top of the charts right away in GCD Pro. Uh, 16th fastest overall. I mean, a lot of people haven't uh, done representative laps, but he's obviously on it because he needs to be. Completed eight laps in this session, which is might be the longest stint of the whole week, actually, with all the reds we had on, uh, on Thursday. Fair, fair point. The f- we had five cars when we went down that interview that hadn't been out, Jeremy, yeah. and they are now still five cars. Yes, uh, the number four and 30. LMP3 cars and the number 38 have not been out to us. The number four cars are Arve Motorsports, number 30 is Junior 3 Racing, number 38 Performance Tech Motorsports. No, none of those three LMP3 cars have gone out, nor has the uh, CrowdStrike Racing by APR LMP2, it's kind of a 04. And the other car we haven't seen this morning, the second of the Porsche Penske Motorsport, Porsche 963, is kind of a 7, has not been out, number 6 has and his fastest at a 48.3 uh, for Matthew Jaminet but the number 7 car has not that, that car I think that, first of all that was the car that was crashed at the end and, and stopped qualifying and Matt Campbell uh, at the wheel at turn 1 I think Joe Bradley that was on the pit lane at the start of this session is it just sitting on the pit lane now? No it was uh, it, it came out to start the session and as, as the cars peeled out onto the track the number seven was wheeled back behind oh. the wall uh, by its crew of mechanics. So um, a problem for the number seven that uh, certainly they've missed warm-up. And that car having to be extensively worked on as the checkered flag comes out. We'll get Joe Bradley and Shea Adam to chase that up so that we can report on that in our Michelin countdown to green, which is up in an hour and 10 minutes time 9.30 uh, local time for the sake of probity I'll give you the times they count for nothing other than to say we've given you them to be honest given you them uh, 148.398 Mattia Jaminier the quickest for Porsche Penske Motorsport in the 963 number 6 and that was I think is that as quick as he qualified actually uh, in that car 48.3 Certainly a good. It's certainly a good lap. No, he did qualify quicker than that. But uh, the car has been down in the uh, in portion been down in the sixes, forty sixes. Oh, but yes, cost but, but uh, race pace, um, I've I've been told you know, forty nines and fifties are probably like more like that's the race certain, pace. certainly what the LMDHs uh, were running in yeah. uh, in WEC trim, WEC trim yesterday with. Um, all of the cars running. Um, I think. I think one of the Toyotas ran a 47.7. Yeah. But most everybody else's were running 48s and 49s in in race team. Conor de Felimi just comes to the line and clocks a 149.519 to be the best of two BMWs that we saw out there this morning. Marco Vittman was in the 24 car. He was third. LMT LMP2 topped by Mikkel Jensen. His first time in the TDS racing cars, he was driving uh, 
yesterday in WEC. Scott Dixon, the fourth best of GTP for Cadillac. That car, this, the lawn Cadillac yesterday, I thought did. I agree with Wayne Taylor when he was talking to Joe. I thought that looked the most composed of the uh, IMSA uh, hypercar class, if you will. Um, and Scott Dixon getting some laps this morning. In P3, JDC Miller topped the charts with their Duquesne on a 58, 1 minute 58.9. And in GTD Pro Corvette, the full house GTE car do it, uh, uh, do it doing its bits and pieces. Uh, excuse me, Dan Goldberg, fastest in the JDC Miller Motorsports 158.927. That's the 85 car. Nice job for him this morning. Corvette in GTD Pro coming off their success yesterday with the full house version of that car. Jordan Taylor drove that one. And Robbie Forley was the best of the GTDs, the number 96 BMW for Turner. Uh, uh. Oh, excuse me. I'm looking far too far down. Antonio Fuoco. Chetilar Racing, that blue car, was fastest in 14th. I made the mistake of going to GTD Pro and then looking <laughs> below it for the next GTD car. Yeah. There's two TTT. So it was Chetilar and AF Corsa in the two Ferraris ahead of that Corvette in the GT categories. And, of course, there will be GTD cars at the front of the grid because we do not split that grid up. That was how they qualified. All right, that was morning warm-up. Yeah, settle yourselves down, get your snacks ready, make sure that all of your logistics and planning are in place for the 71st Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, thanks to Shea and to Joe down in the pit lane. We'll all reconvene in about an hour and five minutes' time for Michelin Countdown to Green, and you'll be able to see and hear all of the action on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.